Jimmy's Table. Hey everybody, you're listening to the Jimmy's Table podcast, jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. So today is episode 75 in which I'm going to talk about how hypocrites are made. You've probably recently heard of the sex scandal involving the head of Liberty University, Jerry Falwell Jr., his wife, and his quote-unquote pool boy um, and business partner that made us very painfully aware that a certain hypocrisy exists among us and uh, those who would identify as evangelical, such as individuals such as me, <laughs> for example. Um, and I think this, this scandal shows that, you know, Jerry Falwell, the head of Liberty University, who, you know, enforced a very strict uh, lifestyle code and expectation among uh, students and professors um, that uh, he ultimately imposed on people and penalized for failing to live up to, um, that he ultimately gave himself a get-out-of-jail-free card when it came to violating these codes of conduct himself. Uh, he was very much engaged in a do-as-I-say-and-not-as-I-do sort of thing. Um, he, hypocrites like him... Uh, show that they believe that they get to break all the rules that they force others to abide by, um, while at the same time, though, pretending to live up to the very standards that they uh, uh, impose on others and condemning behavior that they would find uh, allegedly repulsive. Hypocrisy, though, of course, is not something unique to religious circles. Uh, it's not purely a religious phenomenon, of course. We see it among CEOs, politicians, and, uh, well, we all grew up at one point and thought our parents were hypocrites, right? <laughs> uh, dare I say, we have even found ourselves from time to time playing the role of hypocrite. I don't know about you, but if you're honest with yourself, like I'm going to be, there are times where I have unknowingly and even knowingly played the role of a hypocrite. Hypocrites can be found among every station and walk of life, not simply among the rich and powerful, religious or political. At the end of the day, we could all be hypocritical. Which kind of got me to thinking, how do we become hypocrites in the first place? What is it that makes us a hypocrite? And what are the pitfalls of hypocrisy? And what can we do to escape that hypocrisy? Well, first of all, I think we need to talk about what a hypocrite is. The word hypocrite has its origins in the Greek. It simply means this, an actor or a stage player. It depicts a person who wears a mask on stage, puts on a good show, and acts as if they were the person that their mask ultimately represents. How often do we do that, folks? <laughs> you know, and, and Jesus was uh, one to use this word hypocrite pretty heavily. If you were to look at uh, Matthew 23, um, and you would see the eight woes that Jesus pronounced against the religious leaders of his days, the scribes, the Pharisees, and whatnot, um, we see that his primary beef with them wasn't necessarily so much their doctrine per se, although he did, you know, take up that from time to time. But it's the fact that Jesus saw them as hypocrites, as make-believers, 
they were individuals he saw um, that taught a certain religious code, yet frequently finding that same religious code uh, to have loopholes that allowed them to make excuses for themselves to engage in contradictory conduct. Uh, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, Jesus said, placed heavy burdens on others, but they weren't willing to move those burdens so much as an inch. They engaged in good deeds in public, but at the end of the day, Jesus said, all these good deeds in public were just an empty form of publicity and advertising. Uh, it was a good publicity stunt at the end of the day. Jesus said the religious leaders of his day had become blind guides leading the blind. That is, they were individuals who pretended to see and pretended to be able to help other blind people. Um, yet they themselves were blind. They majored in minors and minored in majors, Jesus said. And he said they were whitewashed tombs on the outside, looked all nice and pretty, but under those tombs, behind those whitewashed uh, placards, um, they were full of deadness and dead men's bones on the inside. Jesus said the religious leaders of his day were guilty for killing the prophets, yet making monuments in their very names. <laughs> so we see a lot of this hypocrisy that causes people to live duplicitous lives. It causes people to live as if they were an actor and, and playing on a, a game on a stage. Um, it causes them to act as if they were the very thing that they claimed to represent, but on the inside, behind the mask, they are not what they pretend to represent. At the end of the day, hypocrisy, it finds itself in the mental images that we ultimately fashion for others. I find the more that I live um, that we all kind of have this image or this story or this narrative of ourselves in our mind. Um, we believe a certain story about ourselves and we do the darndest we can to try to project this image and get others to believe it. <laughs> if you knew me when I was in my 20s, and some of you did, uh, you knew I frequently went around talking about how awesome I was. Uh, and I kind of drew some inspiration from the character and how I met your mother, Barney. Uh, Barney talked about how awesome he was and I thought, huh, that's funny. I'm going to do the same myself. And I did it kind of as a, as a joke at the end of the day. But, you know, if other people believed me to be awesome, well, <laughs> that was a good benefit, right? Like, I can remember this one time there was this girl I was uh, kind of dating who, you know, I had been putting this I'm awesome line routine on. And uh, she got to the point once where she was out in public uh, and she heard somebody uh, refer to something as awesome. And her mind instantly went to me. <laughs> and she called me up and she's like, I just want you to know I heard somebody else use the word awesome and I instantly thought of you. Boy, did that make my head swell. Uh, <laughs> you know, gentlemen, you're doing well if you can believe, uh, get the girls uh, that you're interested in to believe how awesome you really are. Um, and at the end of the day, we all have this story, this image, this, this thing we want to project to others so that when others see something, that they instantly think of us. Uh, and it doesn't have to necessarily be as something as uh, vain or hilarious as being awesome. 
Um, but we all have this image we want to project, whether it is we want to be seen as smart or having integrity or being a visionary leader um, or just being a hard worker or all these sort of things that, that we kind of try to embody and, and convince others that we are. Um, and, you know, this, sometimes we often are these things. But at the end of the day, we're just as interested as not only being those things as we are selling what we are to others. Um, put the question out there on social media, uh, on Facebook and on Twitter, and I got some interesting feedback about you know, what hypocrisy is ultimately about. What is it that ultimately makes us hypocrisies or hypocrites? And what, what makes us uh, play this, this game that we do with others? And uh, a friend of mine on, on Twitter, Corey Mahan, I believe that's how you say his last name, uh, said that hypocrisy ultimately begins with what he called brand loyalty. I thought that was pretty powerful. Um, because at the end of the day, when it comes to being a hypocrite, we're trying to sell a certain brand uh, to, to others and getting people to respond to that brand. If we want to be seen as smart or having integrity or being a visionary leader or a hard worker or whatever that is, you know, we're going to work very hard to promote um, that image of ourselves to others and to get others to buy in that image. If, uh, you know, you're trying to make yourself appear to be awesome, you're going to want other people to believe you're awesome. It's kind of like in the business world, uh, you know, there's the, that commercial that used to exist for UPS that kind of mocked uh, the self-help guruism of, uh, of, uh, that you often see in the business world where there's this guy who's sitting behind his desk in a very impressive looking office. Um, and a UPS man is, is coming there to deliver a package to him. And he's sitting there lecturing the UPS man about success. He's like, you know, if you want to be successful, you have to project success. Um, and uh, then the camera zoomed out and you realize the guy was sitting on a stage that he had set up in his garage uh, and that he was pretending to be this hotshot CEO, uh, the, having this image of success uh, and looking the part, so to say. Yet, you know, at the end of the day, he was just a guy working out of his garage. <laughs> and, you know, we see that time and time again. Uh, lawyers, lawyers are really good at this, right, folks? Um, you know, uh, we, we, we want to project a certain image when it comes to the, the arena of law. So our courthouses are very nicely decorated and it has very imposing monumental style decor when you go to court. You know, these really fancy benches, these, these marble columns and hardwoods and, you know, people in power suits and carrying briefcases and, and all that stuff. Uh, or when you go, you know, deal with a, a used car salesman, they might be dressed to the nines, like one of them might be wearing a nice watch. Or, you know, you, you look for a real estate agent and you don't want to just get any real estate agent. You want to get a real estate agent who you know is successful. And, and so they, they make advertisements for themselves that make them look as somebody like you can trust and count on. Someone who's going to get the job done, right? Um, we all kind of have this brand at the end of the day that we're trying to sell folks that we're trying to get others to believe but as time goes by we often find out that branding that branding that we've projected about ourselves needs a little work 
needs a little polishing because over time, something about us changes and we aren't what we once were (laughs) and we get tested and then it reveals there's dents in our armor and when we become afraid that we can no longer live up to the thing uh, that we said we once were, um, instead of simply accepting that something about us has changed and that we're no longer what we used to be, we start to engage in a little make-believe. We pretend now that we are something that we are in fact not. And in the end, I think this uh, sets us up for God to expose. And like Adam was in the garden, we find ourselves naked and hiding behind a bunch of bushes. And that's the path that hypocrisy ultimately will, will take us. Uh, we go from projecting this image uh, to you know, all of a sudden having to keep this image up and ultimately seeing this image crumble. We become nothing more than hypocrites at the end of the day. Um, and sometimes we're keenly aware of this, hop, this hypocrisy. We get afraid we, and we react and, and we try to do the best that we can to cover everything up so we can, you know, make the show go on. But, you know, sometimes we begin to lie to ourselves even about it. We begin to, quote unquote, believe our own press at the end of the day. And we become like cows who don't even believe that their own poop stinks. And the end result, we become sincerely hypocritical, just even as the religious leaders in Jesus' day did. So I think it's also worth pointing out here that with hypocrisy, when you think about hypocrisy and you think about this brand loyalty and the, the selling of things to others, selling them an image to yourself, of yourself to others, you know, hypocrisy exists, and I think it's important to point out here, within the context of community. I don't know if it's possible to be a hypocrite if you are living on an island (laughs) all by yourself. Maybe it is in some sort of crazy sense, like if you're, you know, Tom Hanks and Castaway on an island dealing with Wilson and your ball uh, with a, you know, fake face on it. You, maybe you could get there mentally if you were to to break down (laughs) enough and go a little stir crazy um, from being isolated away from civilization. But I think we really need to understand that in order for a hypocrite to thrive, a hypocrite has to thrive in his hypocrisy within the context of community. Um, My friend Daniel Rushing, who previously appeared on the Jimmy'sTable.com podcast, uh, look him up at Jimmy'sTable.com if you want to hear the show he came on and talked about. But I was talking to Daniel Rushing about it recently on Facebook, and and um, he talked about how, you know, specifically hypocrisy exists when, when we realize that other people have expectations about us that we ultimately must live up to. Um, and I think that's something we need to take into heart because if we eventually want to guard against hypocrisy, which is ultimately where this podcast is going to land, but we can't talk about how to guard against hypocrisy until we understand how hypocrites get made. And they only get made within the context of community and when there are other people's expectations um, that ultimately exist. And whether those expectations uh, exist because we helped create an image that those people then expected uh, to us to ultimately constantly live up to and kind of this endless cycle, 
um, or whether we've just inherited a position, a place of prominence for, for one reason or another, and certain standards were imposed upon us. Um, you know, at the end of the day, others, people, other, having to jump through other people's expectations and the hoops that other people set up, whether we had something to do with that or not, um, is ultimately how hypocrites get born. Um, Daniel further said, when you are convinced there's only one way to be you, you can't ever let anyone know about certain parts of you if they don't line up with the expectations. So there kind of becomes, he, he talks about this disconnect, I guess you could say, of, of when people have an expectation of you, but you, and then you realize there's something about you that doesn't meet up to their expectations. Um, so you begin to take on this, this role of a performer. Um, Daniel further said that it makes you live with some unattainable level of perfection you'll never be able to reach. So you work hard to project the right image, and you work even harder when that image needs to overshadow the shortcomings that ultimately jeopardize you within the community. Of course, over time, you may be able to keep up the show for a good while. You may be able to keep uh, people believing in you. Um, and you may you know, do the thing that keeps people from ultimately seeing you as a hypocrite and exposing you. Um, but at the end of the day, I believe all hypocrisy is ultimately unsustainable. It's only a matter of time before you will be found out. Um, whether it's on this side of eternity or not, there's coming a day in which we will all be found out. And whatever show we put on will be revealed. Um, the terrible thing about hypocrisy is that while you can be very good at pulling the wool over the eyes of all the sheep, eventually, that doesn't work so well anymore. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 5, 4, that there is a day of judgment for all of us, and for some of us, our sins precede us. That is, our sins are pretty self-evident things, and people can see them coming from a mile away. But, for others... Our sins eventually find us out. Jesus said in Luke 8, 12, that there is nothing hidden that won't be eventually exposed. Everything on the inside eventually will have its way of coming out in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and Daniel Rushing further said in this conversation that I had with him on this topic, um, that it has long been his personal beef and contention that with some mega church pastors, um, that they kind of engage in this duplicitous, hypocritical um, behavior. And it's part of their success story. They succeed because they project a certain image. Um, and, but not only do they you know, project a certain image, but they keep up the appearances of that image, even when they are no longer the thing that they continue to represent. Um, and in doing such, he said, they commit a form of quote-unquote self-sabotage without even realizing it. They are doomed from the beginning and they don't even know it. They are playing a game that they cannot win. For in the end, hypocrisy is completely unsustainable. In all good time, you will be found out. And we see this story, I think, play out well tragically um, with the story of King David in the Old Testament. 
and his behavior towards Bathsheba and her husband Uriah. You know this Sunday story uh, or Sunday school story pretty well, right? The story of King David and Bathsheba. How David, you know, when he was about playing king, (laughs) he saw this woman that he wanted to take for himself. He's like, man, that girl over there, she's pretty hot. So he used his authority uh, and his power to take advantage of her. Um, She caught his eye and he's like, I'm going to get me some of that. And he did. And he got her pregnant in the process. But wanting to hide it all, not wanting to know uh, people to know that the king had uh, a, a child through illegitimate means after uh, forcefully taking somebody that was somebody else's wife, uh, wanting to hide the entire thing and not be exposed, he ultimately tried to cover it up by calling Bathsheba's husband home from war. He called for Uriah, hoping that he'd eventually sleep with his wife. You know, he's been on the battlefield and, and men have needs and they look to their wives to fulfill their needs. Um, but you know, when all that kind of eventually started falling through, um, you know, David just decided, I'm just going to blow this entire thing up. And uh, he decided instead that he'd send Uriah to the front lines of war to die as cannon fodder at the end of the day. And it was all said and done. That's exactly what happened. Except, and he thought everything was going to be fine. You know, Uriah's dead. He can now take Bathsheba as his own wife. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, there's this, this pesky little prophet named Nathaniel who shows up in the story. And Nathaniel comes to the king and tells a story about a rich and powerful man that took advantage of a poor man. Uh... And took advantage of this poor man's cherished lamb. Enraged over the story, thinking that Nathaniel was telling something that actually happened and was an, a, an injustice that he needed to, to, to right, uh, a wrong that he needed to correct it. David exploded, um, says, Who is this man that did this? Let me know and I'll take care of the situation. And then Nathaniel powerfully pointed out, And turned it back on David and said, Thou art the man. If I can quote a little King James. (laughs) Hypocrisy always gets exposed. What is hidden in the darkness will one day be exposed to the light. We can't keep up the game of hypocrisy forever Because in trying to keep up that game, we doom ourselves. And we doom ourselves, ultimately, to judgment. So, if that's the case, how can we avoid becoming hypocrites? What is it that we can do to escape this inevitable cycle of doom and destruction that is associated with hypocrisy? How do we escape something that's going to overtake us all in one form of another whenever we play that game. Because it's a game that you can only lose. And I believe the only hope at escaping the, the, the hypocrisy the, of becoming like the Jerry Falwell Juniors of the world and, and what went down with Liberty University and, and his wife and the pool boy, you know, The only way we can escape all of that 
is ultimately to stop trying to sell ourselves um, this image that of this thing that we are and trying to project that image to others in order for them to buy. And instead, we need to all realize that we've been made in the image and likeness of God. And instead of being individuals who must promote a certain brand loyalty about ourselves and a story we want others so desperately to believe, we need to get away from all the PR. We need to get away from all this image casting that we do. And instead, we must own up to the image of the one whose likeness we've been created in. We've been created in the image of likeness of God. And so therefore, instead of trying to get this image, this alternative image out there that we want others to see, we must lay it all bare. And instead, we must renew that image inside of ourselves daily. Because we're going to always have the opportunity to spin other images other than the image of God in our lives. And the only way we can counteract that is by embracing the image of the one whom we have been made in. And to make sure that whenever that image begins to fade and falter, and, and anytime we get out of step of who God has in fact created us to be, image bearers of, of him, that we renew ourselves to that image and that likeness. So that there's no pretense, so that there's no game playing, so that there's no need for PR and publicity stunts, so that there's no need to sell anybody on anything. And only by looking to bear his image, the image of God, can we be liberated from the tyranny of the false images that we try so desperately to sell others. But, you know, this is something that we, we can't do on simply our own. As hypocrisy exists in the context of community, so must being bearers of the image and likeness of God exist within the context of community. We must take care um, to, to bear this image in that context of the communities wherever God has placed us, whether we be leaders or whether we be low-level employees or nobodies somewhere, <laughs> wherever we are. We need to make special care that we not only talk the talk, but that we walk the walk. And that those who are responsible for appointing leaders in our communities, whatever those communities are, be it political, religious, business, um, personal, um, whatever it is at the end of the day, um, we must be willing to hold those leaders, the Jerry Falwells of this world, the presidents of this world, the CEOs of this world. We must ultimately be willing to hold such men accountable. We need to make sure we appoint men to positions who are, quote unquote, without guile. People who live up to the very standards that they profess and not simply people who put on a good show. And if they should fail to live up to the standards that they profess and the standards and values and, and beliefs of our communities, whatever communities we may find ourselves in, we must have a willingness to hold such men accountable for failure to do so. We can't simply accuse them and say, well, you know, nobody's perfect. We're all sinners at the end of the day. Um, so he should get out of, uh, get out of jail free card because, you know, we're, uh, we're all sinners and we're all hypocrites, right? No, 
We must hold such men accountable, and, and not only for the sake of the organizations and, and, and charities and businesses and churches and, and whatever we find ourselves a part of. We must not do it only to protect these institutions, whatever they may be. But at the end of the day, we must ultimately do it to protect men from destroying themselves. Because left to their own devices, left just to you know, freely do whatever it is they want, men will have this kind of natural gravity. We as people will have this natural gravity to play the hypocrite, to be the actor, to, you know, have the appearances of being the thing that we are not. So we must hold such men accountable however that accountability ultimately looks, and we must not be willing to overlook their shortcomings simply because they are, like Jerry Falwell, able to build up something powerful and wonderful. We must not be willing to engage in the same hypocrisy that they are and willing to cover up their sins simply because it'll make the organization look bad or it'll keep the money from coming in or what have you. Instead, we must be individuals who are willing to blow the whistle, who are willing to call other people out, who are willing to say the emperor has no clothes. And we don't do that to embarrass such men or to simply protect the good name of the organization that we've established. No, because that can become a hypocrisy in itself. But we ultimately do this so that we can protect these individuals, so that they can be the very people that God created them to be and that God didn't create them to be the CEO or king or president or, or, or what have you. He created them to be his image bearers, as our fellow image bearers. So let us hold them accountable to that, to say, no, we're not going to let you go any further in this hypocrisy, in this charade, in this game, because we're not interested in playing games. We're interested in becoming the people that God has called us to be. He's called us to be made in his likeness, and we're going to make sure that happens. And that overrides whatever other mission or plans or things that we want to accomplish. And if we have to humble ourselves and subject ourselves to embarrassment if need be in order to do that, and to own up to some shortcomings, then we got to do it. Because at the end of the day, it's not about our organizations, and it's not even about you and me. It's about the one whose image we have been created, in whose kingdom we're ultimately all called to participate in and serve. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 75, jimmystable.com, how hypocrites are made and ultimately what we can do to combat that hypocrisy. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to share it with others. Be sure to interact with me. You can email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com, and let me know what you think. Um, and I say all this stuff as your fellow hypocrite, <laughs> you know, I'm not sitting here to, I'm not here to simply, you know, beat up on the Jerry Falwells of the world. That's far too easy. That's far too easy. I'm here to, to help myself in this regard because it's something that I have failed in at times in my life. And I think it's something at the end of the day, we're all guilty of. So look after yourself in this and share this podcast episode with others. Share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, 
Email me if you've enjoyed it. And by all means, be sure to subscribe to this podcast however you're listening. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and all the other places that podcasts are popularly broadcast from. Be sure to leave a review. Again, like I say regularly, be sure to leave your five-star review. I don't want your three-star review. I want your five-star review. If the, the, the place that you have um, allows you to make five-star reviews and leave comments, be sure to do that. <laughs> um, and uh, be sure to subscribe to this show however you can. You can also subscribe by email notification at jimmystable.com. Um, so, hey, everybody. This has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Take care, everybody. God bless, and have a good one. Air smudge.